The year is 1992. I'm Zach. I'm David. And this is My Marvelous Year. Hello and welcome to My Marvelous Year, the comic book reading club where we're going through the best of Marvel comics from its origins to today. I'm Zach, your comic book journeyman, and today I am joined by a very special guest, David Brothers. He's a comic critic, he's a editor at Viz, and a, uh, a co-host on the Manga Explaining podcast, a podcast I've been listening to. I know a bunch of people in our Slack have been listening to. It's uh, it's kind of a favorite in the Slack. It's um, it's David, it's Chris Butcher, Deb Aoki, and Chip Zdarsky all talking about... It's a, it's a very similar format to My Marvelous Year, uh, I guess, where it's kind of a comic reading club, but they're covering manga. And it's really cool. A uh, cool introduction into manga if you're interested in that. Um, thank you, David, for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. This is a yeah, blast from the past for me, so I'm excited for this conversation. Well, cool. Let, let me start there. What What is your... I mean, so I know you as a, a manga guy, mm-hmm. right? Uh, both in your your taste and career, right? Yeah. Um, what What's your history with, like, you know, American Big Two? Stuff? Uh, are you, are you DC I was a guy, or Spider-Man guy? guy. Like, even more than being okay. a Marvel guy, I was a Spider-Man and an X-Men guy. Sure. Um, okay. So when those comics kind of took a dive i kind of bailed out of comics entirely for a while mm-hmm. but you know like my first comic had venom in it and i very much grew up in that image era um you know i had spawn number one todd mcfarland i st- still think draws one of the best spider-man and as i grew up yeah kind of marvel was my main thing i didn't really get into dc till like 94 95 something like that and that, that was through a novelization of like the big event for i think the 93 year 92 ish i don't want to spoil anything for anybody um, but I also discovered anime around the same time as I discovered comic books. So they kind of came up side by side for me. And I eventually got into manga through that. So as I grew up, you know, I kind of wrote about comics at first. And I was like, oh, I like Japanese comics, too. I should write about that as well. So mm-hmm. like all of that was on you know my old website as a critic. And then I worked at Image Comics for four or five years, kind of doing marketing in an internal magazine. And then I landed at Viz. So I've kind of managed to accidentally get my hands into everything I grew up on. Just pretty wild. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, any anything exciting you're working on currently at Viz? You can talk oh, about. Oh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is kind of became my baby. I'm the editor of this series, so I hired the you... uh, translator. I hired Ooh. the letterer. Um, I work with the designer. We have a really cool style and Golden Wind. Uh, I was going to say Golden Wind's ended. next, right? Yeah. yeah. We actually we, yeah. so part one of that's out. I think in August. I should mm-hmm. know this. I worked on it. <laughs> but um, and Diamond is Unbreakable just ended, which is another favorite of mine. I had a very mm-hmm. early volume yeah. of JoJo's when I was a kid too. Um, but it's I, just uh, a pleasure. It's so good. Oh, that that that's that's a lot of fun. Um, that, that's really neat. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I that's interesting because I I love JoJo. Can, can you maybe you can answer this? It mm-hmm. seems like JoJo's huge in my world. You know, like I I have this idea that like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is this big cultural thing, right? Like people mm-hmm. watch the show, people love the manga, and memes everywhere right yeah but then like i was kind of surprised to find that like it's only up to golden wind is released officially in english 
Yeah, like, part of it is the it took the U.S. a while to catch on to JoJo's. Mm-hmm. Like, oh well, yeah, know. I mean, it's when I first started watching it, I was like, oh, cool, this new show that I'm <laughs> yeah. into, and then I was like, wait, there's Super Nintendo games about like the third book. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like there's a Super <laughs> Nintendo game about. Uh, what would have started Crusaders. Crusaders. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's amazing. So it's like, okay, well, I, I was seven when this game came out. So, like, yeah, this is older than I think. Anyway, yeah. So. It was originally, like, kind of part of the, that uh, post Fist of the North Star wave. If you look at, like, the first mm-hmm. part, you can totally see the progression. Totally. Progression. Totally. Yeah. But essentially, Viz released it, like, the late 2000s, like 2006, 2010, somewhere around there, before there was a JoJo's anime. And then the JoJo yeah. anime came out, and people were like, oh, we love this. We need more. And mm-hmm. so they started doing the deluxe editions, editions based on the Jojoniums from Japan, kind of like a two-in-one mm-hmm. sort of deal. And yeah, those, took those off nice little hardcovers. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it wasn't a thing, and then it suddenly was very much a huge thing. Sure. Yeah, it's. I mean, th- those editions are beautiful, too. You know, it's. A, I, yeah. I do like that, uh, you know, they kind of have a, a nice special uh, hardcover yeah. edition for them. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, I, I want to read, Pat, like, I've only <clears throat> experienced what's in the anime. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I want to read, I want to read, you know, the next weird stuff that I know is coming. And, it gets uh, wild. It's can't get endlessly into it. Not, I don't want to read like a, <laughs> obviously, don't want to read like a scanlation thing yeah. of it, because it's just... It's the worst way to experience it. So, like, yeah, hungrily awaiting for uh, you know new <laughs> new translations of that. So that's very cool. Um, so when when do you you said uh, until Marvel and like Spider Man next been dropped off? When is that for you? Um, uh, I would say around ninety between ninety five and ninety seven. I'm not sure hmm. exactly when, but there were two events that were going concurrently on is that both cl- Clone Saga. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna guess Clone Saga, which I think is obvious, and Age of Apocalypse. Uh, the one after that one. Okay, what? What you can say? Onslaught. Name, it's fine. It's um. I'll just say, even as like a teenager, I was like, oh, these aren't good anymore, and I was I was done. I would occasionally see comics at the grocery store, but that was it. And it's because it was my two loves. Like if it, if I didn't love Spider Man so much, and I didn't love X Men so much, I probably could have yeah. weathered the storm. But it, <laughs> it had a really rough effect on my uh on my reading. But then I grew yeah, up and started reading yeah. a bunch of comics again. You know, my bookshelves are lousy with comic books. Because I mostly buy prose on ebook. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, sa- same, same here. <laughs> like my <laughs> my actual shelves are uh, are mostly comics now because yeah. my Kindle holds my you know hundreds of books in my library. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with you there. So, uh, are you are you back on Spider Man or X Men currently? Uh, I know, no, no Spider Man is you know like, not that well received now. But I think I grew out of it. Not that it's immature or anything, but I think like I had my era of Spider Man and my era of X Men, and like both of those sure. are kind of past. Uh, but I still check in uh, because have, have I still you been love in the on characters. The, the Hickman, Hoxpox era. Yeah, I really liked that first, like Hoxpox, the two concurrent series thing going on. And I've been reading like yeah. individual bits and pieces since then. Like I really enjoy Way of X, um, yep. all about Nightcrawler. And there was another one that I had a lot of fun with. Like I'm spacing on the name right now. Marauders. That's, that's a, the that's pirate one. It might have yeah, been. That's... Oh, the giant size X Men, the one shots. They were all just like, here's mm. Hickman and like a crazy good artist. Oh yeah, that, I mean, I I had that. Uh, I I this is when I decided to start getting like Marvel month to month for the first time ever with a pull list. Yeah, the the Hickman era of X Men, and I did that for about six months before they started getting into their first event, and then I dropped the whole thing. Yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, but I, I read maybe the first six months after you know Hawkspox happened. But yeah, the like the giant sized um, Jean Grey Emma Frost issue that was like yeah. almost entirely silent, and I think it's Russell Dodderman doing stuff that was 
fun fun stuff. Um, and Alan Davis, yeah, I missed him as a kid, but as an adult, I can't get enough. Who? I'm sorry. Uh, Alan Davis. He drew Excalibur oh, back in the yeah, day. He did yeah. the Nightcrawler one shot that went along with the Jean Grey and Emma one. Alan Davis is a guy that like I, I think we kind of like his art. Dave mm-hmm. and I are both like, yeah, his art's good. Neither of us like click with the Excalibur thing, but some people in our club are wild, like bonkers about it, right? It's just one yeah. of these like it's like cilantro, right? You know, just some people <laughs> love it, and some people it just tastes like soap. I, it doesn't taste like soap to me. It just yeah. is not not your vibe. It just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't click for me. But I, I'm curious about you know post Excalibur stuff. Like I, I know mm-hmm. his Nightcrawlers. <clears throat> yeah, well received overall. Dave Dave says that he draws one of the coolest Nightcrawlers he's ever seen. So. Yeah, it's like definitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, all right. So uh, long, long intro here, but we're here today <laughs> to talk about Ex- Executioner's Song, which is a another big X Men event, a big crossover event. It comes at an interesting time in uh, in X Men history, in Marvel history. I think even like last epi- the last two episodes, we were talking about um, like Jim Lee was still here, Liefeld was still here, the Image guys were still here. They are now gone. This is mm-hmm. like the beginning of they are out the door, and we are mainly talking uh, like Fabian Nicieza or Nicieza, excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, Scott Lobdell, um, a, a bunch of relatively new faces, uh, Brandon Peterson, Andy Andy Cooper, yeah, Andy Cooper, yeah. Jai, Jai Lee is here, which is kind of exciting for me. Greg Capullo, you know, so like this is this is the X Men line trying to find its footing after kind of losing the people who literally just established the new vibe for it right like yeah it definitely. just got a new a new tone and now they're gone and you know people have to carry on the torch that it, it, it's strange it's like if jonathan hickman left you know x-men nine months after Hawkspox, right like he just yeah. established krakoa you know and I, I won't get spoilers about that but like he just established this whole new status quo and then leaves before he really does too too much with it um so like like this yeah, is creating it, w- a direction out of nothing almost like the books sure, were kind of left yeah. on their own you know because they were left kind of rudderless for a bit and then this is them trying to say like no this is what X-Men comics are about now yeah which is an interesting interesting thing like it sets up a lot it, and you know like I generally think it, I think it overall works and it doesn't feel like too too much of a discontinuity like I, I think they pick up the pieces and they just keep moving with it you know whether or not you like those mm-hmm. pieces is, is a different question but like th- this feels pretty much in line with like what jim lee was doing you know d- d- missing his very distinct style right like jim yeah. lee brought something special with his artwork and rob liefeld brought something very distinct with his artwork i don't know if it's special but like <laughs> you know he, he he had his style for sh- certain um yeah. and and i do actually feel like they are carrying on that legacy it does not feel like all of a sudden they have lost that like juice that was was brought in with the um, you know, whatever it means by saying, like, the image era of Marvel, right? Like that, Yeah, that definitely. Kind of big style. I um, think you can so see yeah, what in, in the um, designs of the characters and, like, the actions they get up to. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a very weird-looking event book if you go from issue to issue, like, jumping between, <laughs> like, Capullo yeah. and Lee and everyone else. It's mostly jumping to Lee. <laughs> I, think. Yeah, I think it's mostly fair. when you jump to Jai <laughs> Lee, you're like, oh, all right, this is different. And then the, the other three, like... Capullo, Kubert, and uh, Peterson. Like, yeah. there, there's differences you can notice, but I, it does not, you know, I, I, it didn't strike me, at least, of, like, wild shifting styles. It's not like, I, I don't actually remember the artist, but it was, like, Jim, it was definitely Jim Lee, and it might have been Liefeld and one other during, um, 
extinction agenda and that mm-hmm. the, I don't remember his name. The guy in Sylvester. charge of Genosha. Who's that? Yeah, maybe it might have been Jim Silvestri. Um, the guy in charge of Genosha, who's that like big, weird monster with the extended neck. Oh, Cameron neck. Hodge. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and every one of them drew him pretty different, right? <laughs> so you just flip between the, back and forth between these issues and it would be like the main antagonist looks like an entirely different uh, monster every time. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I didn't get that here except for the Jai Lee and I was kind of just so into Jai Lee's whole thing here that... Yeah. I, 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 well... All right, well, let, let, let's back up a second. We can talk about <laughs> the, <art. laughs> the, the 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 overall thing here, this ran for 12 parts. 12, maybe 13 with the epilogue. epilogue. Um, yeah. Something, something like that. Um, we, we read more than that because we also read... We started out reading with Cable, Blood, and Metal, part mm-hmm. one and two, which, again, is uh, Fabian Nicieza and John Romita Jr. doing the art. So there's only two issues here. Um, and uh, it, it it's it's a big event... It covers a lot of ground. Um, I think it has some of the same issues that I've had with uh, some of the other X-Men events that we've read in the past, which is that, like, it feels a little bloated. It feels like a little... Like you're dancing around a lot of subplots that don't add up to the main thing, mm-hmm. even if the main thing is kind of interesting. Um, and, and part of that is reading it all at once, right? Like, I will admit that, like, you know, maybe spread over five months, this would be a little more engaging, but the, like reading this back to back to back, you kind of get a little exhausted. What, what was your experience on that, like, the, the pacing front of this whole thing? Uh, kind of similar, actually. I think, I don't mean this in a harsh way, but I feel like the X-Factor issues probably just should have been taken out and just merged into the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. most of that cast has nothing, actually all of that cast except for Alex has nothing to do with the plot of Executioner Song. Like, they're just yeah. kind of there yeah. to move things along. Sure. And so I think a lot of the bloated feeling comes from these weird interludes where, like, there are these characters who just sit and talk and do things for a bit. But it, there's it, a lot of e- extraneous fights. Yeah, too, you know, it, it, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, this is a, a button I've been pressing a lot lately. But mm-hmm. like, there's just a lot of fights for a medium that is like weirdly not very good at fights. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like it, it. It's so surprising to me that you know, like, comics are so action packed when I think that like comics it's really hard to make engaging action. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and you feel that here where there's just so many fights that, you know, they just start to blur together. And all of you know, it's just like, I'll be so in the weeds on this story that like, I'll just see Wolverine and I, I'm just pulling this out of nowhere, like Havoc yeah. fighting. And I'll just be like, oh, all right. Uh, why? I guess they're fighting now. I, I'm not sure what, <laughs> yeah. what's the beef here. Like, and it's like, oh, it's just another misunderstanding. Okay. All right. Well, they're gonna, <laughs> you yeah. know, like that happens. That happens quite a bit. Wolverine, um, Bishop, and Cable spend like two issues fighting faceless people from an organization not involved with the plot. <laughs> yeah, like... these like green robot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a fair amount of stuff like that. You know, like X X four X Force. No, X Factor tracks down X Force. Yeah, there's a lot of like you know the like. Uh, we're not going to stop to talk. We're just going to fight. Uh, you know, for like many issues here. Th- mm-hmm. There's a lot of that. I'll say the main core of this is kind of interesting to me. Um, and I'm not someone who's automatically like, yeah, everything X-Men is interesting to me, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm not just intrinsically fascinated by, like, the history of X-Men. Mm-hmm. But I, I like some of the stuff this is doing. Um, What's the, the main... most interesting part to you? Uh, well, I, I, I like the villains, except for Stripe. Stripe is kind of the main villain here. I'm actually yeah. not that into Stripe. Um, <laughs> but I am into Sinister and Apocalypse here, specifically. Apocalypse ah. has been kind of a big nothing so far. Right, like I, I in the uh, the Simonson X Factor issues, like mm-hmm. it's pretty underwhelming to me. This is the first time we've read 
an apocalypse story where I'm just like, oh, this guy's kind of cool. Like, he's, he's kind of intimidating, and, like, there's a mystery about him. And he's a, got, gravitas. like, a wounded animal vibe in this, too, where, like, he's weaker than he should mm-hmm. be, but still more powerful than a lot of people, but desperate to not be yeah. weak at the same time. Totally, totally. And his relationship with Warren Worthington. Yeah. yeah he, he gets, like, pulled out of his slum. Okay. <laughs> let, <laughs> let me give, like, let me give a really quick overview. I'll make this, like, as brief as I can for a pretty, pretty complicated thing. Okay. <laughs> Professor X is at a free concert, like a mutant, or, you know, trying to, like, a, a, a what, what's the word? Like a live aid um, kind of thing? Yeah, but, like, for mutants, you know, <laughs> happening. And he's, he's giving a speech about, like, you know, mutant tolerance. And Cable, apparently, uh, gives a, shoots him, like, snipes him from a distance, and infects him with the techno-organic virus. Like, he's, you know, an assassination attempt. Uh, the apoc- apocalypse and his horsemen attack and kidnap... Jean Grey and Scott Summers deliver them to Mr. Sinister, who trades them to Strife for some canister that contains the Jean Grey and Cyclops' DNA, both from the present and from the future. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I, th- I think that's the big thrust. So it's, it's a lot of, like, Cable assassinated, or attempted to assassinate Professor X. We gotta get Cable. Mm-hmm. Cable is actually in the future, and that's pretty, like, off. That, that's cleaned up or cleared up pretty soon. And it's, you know, Strife looks like Cable. We, we get that bit. And Strife is the main guy here who has, like, he has, he, he's kidnapped the uh, Cyclops and Jean Grey and is, like, torturing them for unknown reasons. And uh, th- there's something going on with him and Cable. I, I think that that's, like, that's, that's pretty good here. Yeah. With, with Sinister, the, the, oh, the big thing is with the Apocalypse is that Sinister was pretending to be Apocalypse to uh, coerce his, like, four horsemen or, like, War Famine and Caliban into doing his bidding. And that's why Apocalypse comes into this, because he finds out he's being impersonated. Okay. I think I think it's more or less it. There's a bunch of other stuff, right? There's tons of other little plot threads. The Mutant Liberation Front is under the thing of Strife. The Dark Riders are here. There's, like, there's too many people, and there's too many bad guys involved. Like, it's, yeah. it's messy. You I'd know, even call myself, a like, a fan of the Mutant Liberation Front. Like, I, I was nine years old when these comics came out, so I like all these characters. But yeah, okay. I couldn't tell you anything about Dragonus. You know, like, there's nothing there. Like, Grim Reaper at least has, like, this snarky, annoying thing going, but they're just goons. Yeah, I I, I would have a hard time telling you, like, who's on the team besides um, Forearm, because that that guy's pretty funny, right? Like, Forearm I will remember forever. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And when I see Reaper, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're on the the MLF. But besides that, like, they're they're more or less kind of just, like, generic 90s designs in the background Mm -hmm. to me, at least. Um, They're not that fleshed out. Um. Yeah, so, like, the, the things I like about this, I think the art is overall pretty good at... It, it, it's hard. We're, I think we're going to generally paint with a broad brush here, unless you, you have yeah. specifics of the artist to get into. But, like, I think overall they're all working at a pretty similar level to me, which is that I think, like, they're laid out relatively well. Mm-hmm. I think they look pretty cool often. In the, like, individual panels, you get, like... N- cool panel layouts especially um brandon sanderson i i don't know this guy but like his panel layouts i think are like really clean and really functional and like just like nice looking pages um mm-hmm. i was really impressed with this and capullo as well capullo and him both um really impressed me here uh kubert f- I, I i think I, i've liked kubert stuff in the future but he seems like he's getting his feet under him this a little is like bit. his first x-men work yeah wild. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so like i I, I don't think it's bad by any means, but I, I'm pretty sure he, he gets, uh, you know, 
he gets a lot better, improves with age. And mm-hmm. speaking of that, did you get the impression that we were watching Jai Lee like improve issue by issue <laughs> the way I did? I think it was so chunky and weird that it was already like I didn't see improvement, but it started at a very high level for me. You know? Okay. Because like I, I love Jai Lee's stuff, like his, his you know, his work uh, in humans. His, he does that like New Fifty Two Batman Superman thing. Like, oh yeah, it's so weird that I, I'm I'm so into his style. Yeah, in these first few X Factor issues that he did, I was kind of like, yeah, I can see the Jai Lee style, but it's like a little messy and it's like the the layout's not that great. And by the end, I was like, you he was it. doing some of the most iconic like. That shot of Strife. Like, Strife, who I've never thought looks cool. Some people are just into Strife's whole <laughs> deal. He draws a Strife here that I think is, like, the cover of the uh, the collection, right? Yeah. And I think rightfully so, because he, he draws a really cool Strife, and he makes, like... With the face blacked look... out? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a fantastic image. He... Yeah. I think what yeah. he was doing... Like, we mentioned extraneous fight scenes in this. I think his fight scenes were the ones I didn't mind, because mm-hmm. he brought such an interesting, like, grittiness to them. Like, they were still mm-hmm. X-Men melodramatic, like... Archangel screaming like you and me and nothing will save you when that happens but then there's that panel of uh shatterstar trying to stab quicksilver in the chest or trying to stab mm-hmm. strong guy in the chest and quicksilver like snatches it out of his hands really fast and it just looks good yeah it's yeah, super it, clear it, it's messy but the clarity is on point yeah that clarity is huge because that's something i like besides with uh, a, a little bit of capullo and peterson mm-hmm. sometimes that's something I felt was really missing. Like John Romita Jr. on those cable, uh, cable issues, Blood and Metal. Yeah. I was like, I, I like kind of what he's doing here. They have these big splash page of like Cable and his wild pack, and all of them will be like, <laughs> you know, framed like, you know, uh, from profile, lined up, shooting their guns off panel, and it will just look really cool. But then yeah. when he's actually doing an action scene, I'm just like. I don't know what's happening here, right? Like, I have no idea who's shooting at who. I don't know where the, like, you know, like, who's getting hit? Where's the, the you know, the <laughs> There's impact. There's no cause and like, effect. Totally, totally. Which, you know, it's tough to do, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. what I've really learned reading so many, you know, superhero <laughs> comics. It's really tough to have a fight that's engaging, especially with a team. I think yes. team f- engaging team fights is, like, one of the hardest things to do because it's like, how do you give nine people all a moment but still make the fight seem like oh no, someone could lose, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, I'm invested in what's going to happen with the outcome here. You know, it, it's exceedingly tough. So, you know, it's it's yeah, it's yeah, not easy. Yeah, I think this series didn't really do a good job of even suggesting any of the X-Men would lose. Like, I think the, the only yeah. X-Men that got hurt, like, Rogue was blinded, Boom Boom had her jaw broken, and Polaris mm-hmm. already had her jaw broken. So, like, we'll count that just to adjust the curve. <laughs> yeah. And, like... What else happened to any of these people except Scott and Jean, you know? Although they they almost make it sound like Apocalypse uh, Apocalypse shows up at one point really, um, you know, like he, he's very hurt and he needs sanctuary with the X-Men yeah. at the, uh, the X-Mansion. And he asks for sanctuary and like that they will team up together to defeat Strife uh, in exchange for him healing Professor X of the Technovirus or the Techno-Organic Virus, right? Mm-hmm. And he's just like, <laughs> they're like, why do we need your help? And he's like, half of you have been, like, taken out and subdued by yeah. your uh, your foes. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, it's Professor X, yeah, for sure. But, like, Rogue, like, you know, 
Rogue's better than she was yesterday, and like she'll yeah. probably have her sight back by tomorrow, right? Like it's not, we could wait this so out, <laughs> right? Yeah, like yeah. So they they kind of try to oversell, but then again, you know what? Like mutant massacre was all about, you know, like mutants are being mowed down left and right, and I also was like, I didn't feel any of that, so yeah, <laughs> I don't think you, I I don't think like actually injuring and killing them needs to be part of it. You just need to sell that like there's a real danger and uh, exactly and this. Very, very often didn't. In the most, um, of the, I, I, oh, go oh, for please, it. Yeah. No, 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 please, please. Oh, I was gonna say most of the conflict in this is like X Men on X Men violence, because mm-hmm. it's like X Factor versus X Force, X Men versus X Force, and mm-hmm. then like the X Squad on the Moon versus other mutants. It's like mm-hmm. the, like Wolverine's not going to kill like Feral or somebody, you know. So like yeah, that risk right. is not there at all. Yeah, yeah, totally. You kind of have that meta knowledge that, like, this is not going to go sideways in that way. (laughs) And then, like, even, well, I was going to say, even when they are fighting, um, you know, bad mutants, uh, but I guess uh, during that, the last Jai Lee X Force or uh, X Factor issue, (laughs) Warren Worthington does cut a man's head off with his wings, and it's kind of a brutal scene. Yeah. Like, it's it's weird. You 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 mentioned when we were first talking about this, like off mic, about the like the dissonance between the art and the uh, the writing, mm-hmm. and we we can, we we should get into that. But th- this was a real clear case of that, where like the art was just like Warren Worthington's had enough, like he's out for blood, and then a man sneaking up behind him, and then it's just like snick, and then his head rolls. It like <laughs> it's, it's a one really of the good other. Page. <laughs> it's a great page. like that layout is re- really good. And like Warren Worthington turns, he's got this like nasty look on his face. There's blood on his wings, mm-hmm. and uh, and then he's just like, "Oh no, I heard someone behind me, and I turned too quick." Like, <laughs> and, <laughs> like the caption is that he's just like, "Whoopsie, don't don't know my own strength." And it like it it feels like a total dissonance between the two things. Like like they wrote it and they were like, "Oh, this is too violent. We have to tone it down or pretend we have to soften that he didn't this." Mean- like that he, he didn't mean to do it and it's like that it, it's just a bummer it just kind and of they feels like follow up on it later cheap. when Iceman brings it up he's like hey remember when you cut that guy's head off and <laughs> he's basically like yeah that was a weird accident right and then they move along yeah 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 we're just like no you could have done it it's fine like he's trying to kill you it's like <laughs> yeah just be honest yeah. don't do this weird pantomime yeah well yeah i mean it doesn't also feel it doesn't feel like warren is pretending that he didn't mean to do it it feels like the you know kind of an editorial thing more than anything okay mm-hmm. so you you mentioned this this dissonance between the art and the um the writing what do, what do you mean by that do you want to get into that yeah um so i'm gonna flip through and try to find a good example while i talk but there's a lot of scenes where the action that's happening doesn't actually match the tenor of the text mm-hmm. like there was one fly in there where, where x-factor was going to fight x-force and the caption was like you know the midwest is known for like being a heartland of morals and blah 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 <laughs> yeah i saw that and i was like isn't it right. ironic that you know they're going to fight their younger mutant brethren or something it mm. doesn't make sense like it's doing this very claremontian poetic thing but it doesn't add anything to the story it just is it's filling space on a page over oh, like a very I good mean, shot of like a jet flying through the air you know i i mean i i have to say i i like McFarlane and Liefeld mm-hmm. reading their writing was <laughs> this, but all the time, like literally every caption would just be like, Oh, like you had to write something for this page. So like you wrote, like one of my favorite examples is the lizard is fighting Spider-Man. And he's just like, um, something like the lizard is a creature bred 
for one uh, a, a killing creature bred for one purpose to kill <laughs> like, <laughs> so, something like that like it yeah. literally just repeats the same thing twice and it's just like oh like you you didn't have anything it's okay like you don't yeah. have to write everything like like we have silent really cool. panels now it's great <laughs> But yeah. this is, yeah, okay. you know, I think it's a post Claremont thing where like Claremont definitely had like this very novelistic style um, mm-hmm. where his comics are dense. Like even if like when I'm for, not into for good it, or ill. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like Excalibur yeah. number one took me like half an hour to read and it's like 20 pages. Yeah, I know. You know, <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. and I <laughs> which, think that which these guys, some people love and, uh, you know, yeah, some, I think some it gets it's... there, but I can't do that first arc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nicieza and Lobdell, I think are going for that but not hitting the mark it's like telling someone how poetry works and then printing their first poem you know right yeah 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 it's a it's someone who's like i've definitely heard of how prose like works like someone definitely explained like what the purpose of prose is but like i'm I'm really excited to figure it out for myself (laughs) but we're being i I think i'm being a little mean like it it was not i i I mean everyone starts somewhere i think and I think that yeah. both these guys actually hit a very good... I think X-Force was actually probably the best X-Men book at this point in time. Uh, so, like, there was a stride that they hit, but yeah. there's a lot of, like, speed bumps in this one. Uh, X-Men number 15, part 7 of this song, is a really good example of what I mean. Because, like, the first eight pages are mostly just pinups of heroes who kind of introduce themselves and their personality, knock out a bad guy, and then page turn and move on to the next. Mm-hmm, Yeah. This it, is when like, little, like Grim Reapers there, spinning its wheels. To yeah, great. yeah. But yeah, then like there's the, a good the, bit with when Jub- not Jubilee, when Boom Boom gets her jaw broken, mm-hmm. and she's still talking, and Cannonball's like incredible. Even with a broken jaw, she can't shut up. Like that's like that good X Men stuff right there. You know? Yeah, it, it, it's interesting because like Lobdell specifically, he's writing um, Uncanny here, mm-hmm. and uh, and Nisieza is doing the the X Men, you know, plain X Men here. Like I I, I think. Like, one of my issues is they're kind of doing the Claremont thing where it's so dense, like, everyone just talks so much during action scenes that, like, yeah. it becomes it becomes really overwhelming and it just becomes white noise to me. It's, like, really hard for me to, like, you know, like, I, I can't, I'm not getting a character moment here while you, like, discuss your, you know, like, <laughs> your yeah. uh, mental issues or your, you know, like, your insecurities while you're fighting this, you know, like, wolf woman or whatever. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't land for me. But then, like... At the very end of this, we read a, an epilogue issue, um, X-Men 297 with Scott Lobdell. It's three stories, no fighting. It's like Jubilee and Professor X, Hank yeah. and uh, an Angel and uh, Rogue and Gambit just talking to each other. And mm-hmm. it works great. I think his writing is like pretty solid. I think he's got a pretty good voice for them. Like it's it's not the best thing I've ever read, but like I think it's pretty on par with the like uh, What's that f- famous uh, Storm Forge issue that Claremont wrote, where it's just the uh, two of them hanging life out? Death? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, maybe not Life Death, like but yeah, I know the one you mean. Yeah, it's some- something like that. Yeah, where I'm just like, yeah, this is good like character work between them, and I'm getting like, I feel like I I learned something about basically all of them, right? Yeah. Like in a way that I didn't the previous like fourteen, fifteen <laughs> issues. You know, like I feel like I learned very little about these because it- it's so obsessed with plot. You know, mm-hmm. even if that plot is totally extraneous to the larger picture. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think okay. the strength for oh, these guys was yeah. dialogue and character work more than plotting. Like, the dialogue's very... It's not great by modern standards. But, like, they nail this kind of action movie sitcom tone. Like, yeah. kind of bridging those two gaps. So, like, the caption's too many words, but some of the conversations, you know, I think really click. 
to to me it's it's a little bit of like cut like 60% of them out and then yeah. I can pay attention to the good stuff more you know not not even like cut the the worst 60% out just cut 60% out so that I can like so I'm just not so exhausted by like quip like four to six quips per page yeah <laughs> you know like when, when it just is coming that fast and furious because there are like once in a while one really jumped out at me like cable in um blood and metal i think says like uh someone says like it's a life or death situation and cable's like yeah my life means your death like <laughs> just like really cheesy stuff like that that's kind of fun you know whether or not they really get exactly the tone that i'm yeah. reading it in <laughs> you know like you don't know but uh you know, it, it's that, but then there's also, like, there's literally five of those per page, and it just mm-hmm. it goes on for 16 issues. So, um, I, I like Sinister here. Sinister, okay. again, is the coolest design in X-Men. <laughs> like, I, I'm over I the moon about that I tentatively agree. Like, that that cape, the, the whole thing is, like, so cool to me. It's the, the <laughs> cape being cut into slices, I think, is what does it. Yeah, like, it's, like, it's, yeah, way it's, over-ostentatious. Totally, it, but it's it's not too busy, you know. It's like a, yeah. a pretty like discernible design, but he like cuts a cool silhouette. He's very imposing, and Peter David has just been introducing a little bit of the like, like he's a little uh, he's he's got a little bit of a sense of humor and a smirk, yeah, to him, which is like what is selling him on me. Like I liked him in Inferno when he was just kind of arch and very serious bad guy, but like mm-hmm. he he. Like, he has all these underlings that he's, like, kind of exasperated with and that he's, like, toying with and he's having fun with it. And and that that's a little enjoyable to me. Yeah, um, definitely. You can not you can never tell what his deal is because he's his powers don't actually make sense yet. Like, he's still such a new character that he just does whatever he wants and it's all fine. Like, he gets shot in the head by Bishop at one point. Yeah, oh, right. Like, and, and there's just a gaping hole through the middle yeah. of his head, like, that you can see through. <laughs> And it just, we just move on from it. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, it, it's weird because there's, they're doing a lot of that right now of the like, hey, you don't quite know what's going on. We're definitely setting up, like, there's a lot of little mysteries here. And, and some of them like that are engaging to me. And I'm like, oh, cool. I want to know more. And some of them I'm just like, hey, you've been teasing who Strife is for two years. Uh, you got to You got to just tell me. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm losing interest. You have to, you have to just tell me because this is, you know, you, you're dragging it on too long and it's also, it's not cool enough for me to be able to yeah. for, for this long. Um, th- th- that's, that's a big thing here. We can talk about this briefly. It's, it's strongly suggested here, if not like outright, you know, uh, I, I don't think it's like said explicitly, but it's re- strongly mm-hmm. suggested and it's weird that they don't land on this, that Strife or Cable, or both, are the son of Scott Summers and Jean Grey. That's, like, kind of a big thing. Strife is continually using the language of, like, being a neglected child here, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Including a a very uh, (laughs) evocative scene of him feeding a I was going to bring that up. (laughs) I mean, you know what? Like kind of a good a good moment right like more than your kind of average like supervillain torture thing right it's it's kind of humiliating and degrading and weird you know it's really effective and as a kid it was i can tell you i read that issue a hundred times because it's so like sinister getting his head blown off was really violent but like this Mm -hmm. was like a different kind of mature content you know to where i didn't quite understand why it was so gross or why it was happening because you know i didn't know about like children being upset at their parents to this extent when i was young um yeah he's like he's shoving his fingers into cyclops mouth like he's got gruel on his fingers and he's on like panel forcing 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. I mean, it, it's like a close up on Cyclo- Cyclops' face, like having these <laughs> Stripe's fingers like shoved down his throat, and it's like it's very yeah, it's very like it's it's violating of him. It's mm-hmm. it's weirdly like it feels more of a violation than the weird like uh, tentacle porn ish torture that he does to Jean Grey, which yeah. you know is also kind of gross and weird. But that is just kind of like well, that's just kind of boring. Yeah. <laughs> and at least that was just one panel, and then moving on. Yeah, boring, uncreative, uh, you know, like, oh, they're, they're torturing her, you know, but I, I don't even know exactly what they were doing to her with, with yeah. all those. It was just kind of like, uh, yeah, kind of creepy. But like, yeah, that that was like way more personal and uh, I, I think actually kind of a, a smart choice. Um, yeah, so he's just like, is this how you feed a child? Is this how you would feed a child <laughs> while he's doing this, right? Like, he's just continually bringing up like... Um, you know, b- being neglected and, you know, whatever, like the, the way that you would treat a child, stuff like yeah. this, uh, you know, it's strongly just like, oh, all right, well, you're from the future and, you know, putting two, two, two and two together. Um, it's very strange. I read a little on the Wikipedia about this and it was like, yeah, we, we were going to reveal this. And then I, I don't remember who it was on the editorial team was like, ah, not yet. Let's wait a little while. And it's like a Which full two wild. years before they even get into it. Cause it's like this whole event's about that. Like, just yeah. talk about it. You don't. You have other stories to tell. You don't need to just keep dragging this out. Like, like they basically yeah. say everything except like that final thing, yeah. and it's like we yeah. know at this point. You know, you can yeah. make a very educated guess what their deal is. That's the weird part is that like you more or less know. Like, it, it's gonna be. I mean, the options are basically Cable is their son, Strife mm-hmm. is their son, uh, Cable's their son, and Strife's a clone. Strife's their son, and Cable's a clone. Mm-hmm. I, I think those are more or less the options that you walk away from this with, and it's just like, yeah, one of those is true, and you won't know for another two years. <laughs> and I think you could yeah. tell that story and have that be like a cool mystery or finale, but you mm-hmm. can't keep putting Cable in comics if you do that. Like it has to be like the end of his story, where he's like sacrificing himself, you know, for his maybe parents, maybe not, and that's like a good <sighs> well, hero moment. Yeah. I mean, he does sacrifice himself here, but we also don't find, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, exactly, <laughs> yeah, where they, they both, what, fall through a time portal to the future, I think, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, I, I guess it's kind it's of unclear. comic book shenanigans, pretty much, yeah, we, I don't, we don't think they exactly knew where he went when this ha- when they put this comic that, out either. That's a, that's a very good point, yeah. Um, oh, this is, this is uh, you know, a little um, off, off plot, but, like, yeah. s- something from this era... That, that drives me a little wild <laughs> and like wild, like drives me crazy. Not driving mm-hmm. me wild um, <laughs> is a, uh, is the lack of like sense of place in comics, especially mm. like X-Men comics at this time where like, I, I feel like if you just, if, if some, you know, someone in the room is reading uh, executioner song and at any moment you're just like, tell me right now, wh- where is this scene taking place? 70% of the time, unless you're on the page where it's just like, you know, Chesapeake Bay, right? Like, <laughs> which is someplace they go, or like, or it's telling you know exactly where they are. You'd be like, ooh, I don't know. Uh, there's blue walls, and um, there's a there's some like mechanical stuff behind them. I'm not I'm not actually positive where they are. You know, like, yeah. There's like a cross country the... flight in this story, and no one brings up like the fact that it takes you know six or seven hours to do that back then. Yeah, sure. I mean, like, there's there's that stuff, but I mean, literally, just in that, like, I. I at least for me, I feel totally untethered from, like, where any of this happens. Unless mm. it is, like, super explicit. Like, when they're on the moon, okay, you're on the moon, I get that. <laughs> when they're when they're in the X-Mansion, okay, I get that. But, like, a lot of the rest of the time, I'm just like, oh, I don't... Are you in... 
Is this just a warehouse? Is this the Mutant Liberation Front's base? Are you... Uh, is this Apocalypse's yeah. house? Right? Like, there, there's just a real lack of, like... In, in, in a way that I, I feel like modern comics don't have so much. It's something that's, like, really specific to this era, for me, at least, where I'm like, when I, when I read a modern X-Men comic, I'm like, yeah, they're, uh, you know, they're on a dock in Russia. They're uh, on in a boat in the Mediterranean. The right? Like, yeah. Right, at least I have a vague idea of, like, where each scene is taking place. Here, I'm just... Very often, I'm in the middle of a scene, and I'm just like, I have no idea where they are. I have no clue. <laughs> like, oh, they're in West Texas. Huh. Okay. That's weird. Yeah. Like, I'll back up a couple pages. Oh, they're in Switzerland, in, like, Cable's safe house in Switzerland. Weird. Okay. I think they're um, trying to do so much. Like, every team has to have its own unique encounter. and a, It's sort of like in a uh, fighting game, everyone has their own stage. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. in this totally. case, it's like, here's the X Hex Factor versus X-Force stage. Here's department k which is somewhere in canada but just looks yeah know, like yeah a there's, there's... frontier town in the distance <laughs> i mean like on on the wikipedia page i'm just skimming down to locations and it's like uh, during this you know we, we obviously were in new york there was also new mexico uh canada like you said they go to genosha <laughs> or uh actually do they go to genosha no not genosha uh they, they go to Arkansas for uh, the Mutant Liberation Front space. They're in Chesapeake Bay. They're in Switzerland. They're in West Texas. They're in several different... There's several moon bases, right? Like Nice, yeah. Multiple bases on the moon, right? It is kind of a fun twist, the moment where Jean Grey and Scott Summer escape strife and, like, burst through a wall and all of a sudden find themselves floating out onto the moon. That's a great uh, image. Moon. And it's, that's it's the sort good, of thing... It's a good moment. Like, X-Men comics are so weird because basically this is a story about a spurned child with a lot of resources, you know? Sure, right. You, you never really ask where those resources <laughs> come from, but that, that's fine. That, that stuff doesn't really bother me. I'm, I'm, I, can, I can suspend my disbelief for, for that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, the, uh, yeah, let's, I don't know if you have any, like, big notable moments, but uh, I have a couple oh, here yeah. that, I, that stood out to me. Um, I think the moment where Apocalypse shows up to the X-Mansion and, like, you know, basically stumbles in and it's just like, help me, <laughs> you know, I can help you, but please help me. <laughs> I think is that really worked for me. And I thought it was a fun, like a fun, cool, you know, subversion of like kind of his character that yeah. he would show up to them of all play to them of all people. Right. Like it, we skipped this in the club. Uh, so I'm just reading this through, you know, the context of these books, but apparently he infected uh, Cyclops's son uh, Nathan <laughs> Summers with the techno organic virus, and then they yeah. had to send him on a one way trip to the future uh, to like to be able to deal with it with with some. Woman There's a little baggage there, right? Yeah. So like, <laughs> it, it is it is, a, and you know, he also turned Angel into this you know blue metal winged uh, creature, right? Yeah. So there's there's definitely a history here. Um, yeah, it is also just funny that he sent their baby to the future, and everyone's just like, ah, but who's Cable? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, weird. This guy keep calling Nathan. This weird half metal man, you know. I sent I sent my half metal baby to the future. <laughs> Who's this strange half metal man? Now this organic technological guy shows up. No, that's a right. great scene. Yeah. Also, the lead up to it, the knife in Apocalypse's chest. Uh, oh, really that's, strong that's, image. That's a good fight scene. That that fight scene was a real standout between Strife and, uh, yeah. and Apocalypse. It, who who was that one? Was that that Brandon was Greg Capullo? Peterson? It was Capullo. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. That, that was, was a the good right fight level scene. of talky yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that one was paced really well. Oh, Jai Lee has the only moment here where he just gives a full page of no text. And I was nice. Like, nice. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. This this is awesome. I'm um, into it. Yeah. 
Um, well, do you have a, do you have any moments you want to yeah, bring up? This is uh, actually a little bit before Apocalypse shows up at the mansion. It's when mm-hmm. Cable, Bishop, and Wolverine are hanging out on Grey Malkin, and Wolverine keeps trying to light a cigar. Mm-hmm. And the ship keeps putting it out. I was going to bring that up too. Yep. <laughs> it's a good comedy moment. Yeah. Yeah. Of, and it manages yep. to be like a character moment too. But also like the panel of Wolverine, like lighting the match. Like there's just so, it's like compressed characterization in there. Um, and it's a good, it's a well-paced joke. Like the joke actually yeah. plays out well. And like the, the art and the writing combined, you know, like mm-hmm. sometimes tough to actually tell a visual joke like that. And, uh, yeah. and I think it, it works pretty well, the the combination. But yeah, they, him continually be frustrated <laughs> until he actually just like uses his claws to tear the thing out. I think fantastic. So he can he can light a cigarette. Yep, that's, I that's think a good one. Cable's the kind of character at this point in time, less so nowadays, where like half the point was making a cool drawing of a dude with a gun, even down to yeah. like the oh strife is here. <laughs> I better get all my guns drawing. I think that Greg Capullo does the moment where I, he there's like two or three moments in this whole event, including like Cable, Blood and Metal especially yeah. there with John Romita where oh, yeah. Cable like <laughs> finds a uh, an armory he has some oh I wish I had written it down he has a line when he finds an armory where he just is like giddy <laughs> and it's, it's very funny but he will come out and it is just like it, it's almost like a joke it's like it feels like someone almost making fun of like Rob Liefeld's yeah whole thing where like he just has like four guns all the size of his torso just dangling <laughs> off of him like there's more missile launchers <laughs> right there's more real estate on the page taken up by the guns he's carrying than by his entire body right like yeah j- just just insane but it, it's kind of fun. i mean that's like the john romita jr he actually kind of draws a pretty fun like over those you know, giant uh, over oval guns men. and lasers and things it's so good yeah. like i love domino is one of my favorite x characters i think mostly because of greg capolo and uh john romita jr how they would draw her back in the day she- she looks so cool. I have no idea what her deal is yet. Like she, oh, she's man. pretty recent, and I, I have yet to like have a story where I'm just like, she, she has just kind of shown up and been like, I'm an X Men now, and everyone's yeah. like, all right, I guess so. <laughs> and like, like I, I don't know rules are rules. Yet, so. <laughs> I, I mean, I know more from about her from Deadpool too than I do the comics. So, um, mm. I'm, uh, I'm into it. So I'm, I'm interested to, to yeah. learn more. Oh, the uh, that Blood and Metal. Uh, that's it's not really part of the. Um, I think it's only in here because song? of the strife face thing, where like Kane yeah, sees which, which, strife's face. But, you know, we actually had that already. Like that that got revealed in a in an X Factor issue, like X Factor three, I think, mm. revealed that that stripes under strife's helmet is just Cable. So I'm I'm not really sure why Dave. But if Dave was here, I would say, why did you do that, Dave? Um, <laughs> except for maybe like he just wanted to see John Romita Jr. draw all these, you know, big. There's big like men. several, I think, vertically oriented spreads in Cable, Blood and Metal that. Are like yeah. poster worthy, so They're I think if only on that level, it's worth looking at. But maybe fifty-fifty uh, on reading. Although this does have the most like uh, dubious political <laughs> stuff with them just being <laughs> yeah. in Iran, and it's just like every man in the background is kind of just like a very generic-looking, you know, like Iranian, yeah. angry Iranian man, and you know, a lot of a lot of comments, you know. Uh, that are very of the time, well, of the time and of the time now, of just like yeah, Iran, it's. It's an evil place. <laughs> Back when the yeah. Joker was like the ambassador, it was really a wild <sighs> time in comics. And it was that, also way back when there were only like four skin tones used for coloring comics, so like it looks extra mm-hmm. racist, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, uh, that does remind me. I, I don't know if I, I'm commenting on the skin tone, if, if he gets yeah. it correct, but Jai Lee's Storm, 
was very mm. cool to me. The like the because because he just does these really simple drawings. So like he he uses contrasts incredibly well. That's like his. I, yeah. oh, I don't know. Is is he coloring though? Uh, I he's don't not. Think he's it's coloring, Br- but Brad he's still marking Vincata. a lot of blacks. Yeah, well, the coloring on that works is like Storm's skin tone and her like white, like pure white outfit, like uh, you know, just like kind of a, a beautiful uh, combination there, and like everything, just that that he draws her outfit like it just is so elegant on her. Yeah, um, it's fantastic. Yeah, I, really, I really like how he draws he draws Storm. He draws everyone cool, honestly. Like the way he draws Arc- Archangel is really neat as well. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, th- there are a lot of color like Glynis Oliver. I should actually. Uh, find this. Let me see. Inkers, we've got Terry Austin, Mark Pennington, Al Milgram, and Harry Candel- Candelario. And then colorist Mike Thomas, Marie Javins, Glynis Oliver, Joe Rosas, and Steve Bucoletto. Bu- Bucoletto? Bucoletto. Uh, I think. Bucoletto. Oh, yeah, two C's there. Bucoletto. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a lot, lot of, I mean, I think uniformly good work, right? Like, uh, definitely. Most, any, any of the issues I had with art were kind of the like legibility of fights sometimes and the overuse of action but like mm-hmm. it's, it's hard with the marvel method it's sometimes hard to like point the cur- the finger in the right direction with that with like was this you know uh like the art like john Romita jr has drawn some of the coolest fight scenes that i've seen in um in nascenti's daredevil like mm-hmm. D- daredevil versus uh Typhoid Mary, or that issue where Typhoid Mary six a bunch of like assassins oh, with on Daredevil all the and like gun guys, yeah, like yeah, there, there's like this big parade or like protest and Daredevil is being like beaten beaten up during it. Like those fights are great, and he's writing those ones. So you know, I'm kind of just like maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's the writer there, but yeah, what whatever whoever you know it is. Uh, over overall, I think the art art just uh, kind of sings here. X Factor eighty six has one of those good storm pa- uh, panels. It's the splash page where like the white of her hair is the white of the page, and there's like mm-hmm. a screen of Wolverine behind. It's really good. But though I do think the covers for this series aren't very good. No, yeah, <coughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at the cover of eighty six, and it's like uh, apocalypse looming behind Professor X. As Professor X just vomits black off panel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's because he's like throwing up the techno organic virus. But it's a very like unpleasant page to look at yeah 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 very like, much so yeah oh you you and i were looking at the same picture of storm this is that's the one that made me go like oh i have to bring this up <laughs> yeah because <laughs> it's beautiful yeah oh i mean like the the second page he does yeah that splash page is that what you're talking about on mm-hmm. page two of that where he does like all the heroes but storm is right up front and like yep. yeah that's yeah that stuff's incredible um yeah this, this was maybe my favorite issue of the entire batch like not even oh, for wow what like was happening in it like i don't know if i could tell you even specifically what happened but just like the artwork here was so uh engaging to me um i really loved the uh the stuff here it had a couple of good storytelling moments i think that this mm-hmm. was the issue where wolverine i know it's the one before he realizes they're on the moon this is the one where <laughs> scott and gene jump onto the moon and discover they can't breathe yeah and and when apocalypse like you know pulls the uh the techno organic virus which is a very like i feel like the wachowski's might, might have pulled this for uh, a little bit <laughs> the matrix like it literally is this small little like scorpion shrimp thing that like comes out of him that he crunches just like you know pops out of neo yeah um yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh let me see any any other any other thoughts on this uh, something interesting about this is like when mutant comics comics are working totally separate of the mutant metaphor right mm, this is one of those yeah. like totally insular right like this is just all mutant drama but there's no you know like this is not humans are who fears them or none of that 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that that happens here and there, but like I, I don't know if I've we've read like such an extended run. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I guess Inferno. Inferno was that as well. Um, yeah. I, I feel like we've just been returning to that quite a bit lately. So like we've got Genosha and we've got Magneto is like back. Uh, you know, back against the X Men, quote unquote. Um, mm-hmm. You know, lately. So like having having this whole event just be very like insular, like. The people in X Comics fighting people in X Comics, and it doesn't really have anything to do with the the overall, you know, metaphor. Um, I kind of like yeah. what that does for the stakes, because even though, I mean, theoretically, Strife wants to rule the world or something, but mostly he wants to like kill one guy to make two people feel bad, and then make those two people feel mm-hmm. worse. And that's <laughs> yeah, nothing like you know, like oh, Magneto's going to flip the you know, uh, flip the poles and destroy the Earth. But they right, still treat yeah. it as this big world-ending mm-hmm. thing, and that's kind of fun, I think. Yeah, it it, it is, but it also like it's it, it's it's strange. I, I don't know if I've ever felt this about anything we've ever read. Mm-hmm. But reading this comic, I'm kind of like, I think I'll be excited to read this again at some point. Now that I know what matters and what doesn't. Yeah, you know, because like I, I'm real like I'm interested in what matters here. Like the the core here, I'm kind of into, and I'm like intrigued by the character stuff that is the core here. There's mm-hmm. just like a lot of chafe or chuff. What's no, that's the word I'm looking Chaff. Chaff. God. Yeah. No, it's chuff. There's <laughs> not <laughs> chuff here. Um, chaff. Yes. Thank you. Past tense of chaff. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> separate the wheat from the chuff. Uh, <laughs> no, I think you're yeah, totally but... right. Like, from my perspective, reading this as a kid, I was an X-Men fan. And uh, yeah, sure. also, like, the Jim Lee adjective. I'm sorry, X-Force fan. And then also the adjectiveless X-Men. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of X-Force content in here that, like, pays off or matters down the line. I mean, not oh, least Oh, yeah, Cable. there's a lot of a little winks that we didn't really talk about. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, Jamie, um, Jamie Braddock is, like, in the background of this and stuff. But, you know, mm-hmm. Even like all the stuff with like X Force being locked up in the X Mansion and them be- used to be the New Mutants. Like there's like this interesting conflict, generational conflict mm-hmm. that they kind of talk about on like maybe five pages out of the crossover. J- Jubilee calls uh, Strongman a like third generation wannabe <laughs> yeah. Colossus. I think. Yeah, right? like, rules. <laughs> she's yeah. my favorite X Man by far. Um, but that yeah, kind she, of she interaction funny. between the groups was kind of rare at the time. So this was yeah. a chance to see, like, oh, how does Jubilee feel about the other, you know, youth group in the X Men? And like, and and the, yeah, I I agree. There there's a little like there's some of the contrivance of right, like we need to in- keep uh you know X Force, X Force, X Factor. God, I, I have a hard time with X Force imprisoned, <laughs> right? Because like Cable's their leader, and we're searching for Cable. You know, like the, there's a little contrivance on like why they're all butting up against each other that mm-hmm. kind of harkens back to the early x-factor days of you know like <laughs> the original x-factor being like we're we're gonna go help mutants but our public persona is that we're mutant hunters and so everyone actually hates us and that's how we're going to interact with every other mutant so it's just like <laughs> this fake this fakey fake contrivance is in between everybody so you don't really get to see how yeah you know, and half the x-men are like oh like i don't i really don't know if x-force is behind this and the other half are like well we're gonna fight them and find out right and there's yeah, like yeah. Just call them like you grew up, right? Together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you, but you do get the the better character moments here. So I, I think yeah. it, is, it is a little bit more like you know it it feels a little more earned. The uh, the conflicts um, mm-hmm. are a little more interesting. Speaking of Jubilee, I I do just want to break. We won't talk about all of them. There's there's two moments in the final epilogue I want to bring up. <laughs> um, one Warren Worthington and Beast are rebuilding the bar that the four horsemen. 
busted up when Jean Grey and Cyclops were kidnapped, which is like a weird gesture that they're just like, well, yeah. let's do something nice and like rebuild this bar in the dead of night. <laughs> but it, it works. It's, it's detriment to the culture nearby. Let's do them a favor. Yeah. But it, it's, I guess it's kind of sweet. Uh, it's, <laughs> but the, the moment I like is they're like horsing around and Morton Worthington has a gun that is like, I don't remember. Beast says something to him, like teases him about something, and kind of like you would just like spray a friend with like the a gardening hose. Yeah, he just sprays him with this brown liquid that comes out of the the hose. The varnish. And, <laughs> yeah, and Beast is like, hey, "How long does it take to get wood varnish out of fur?" And I'm just like, "What?" Well, I mean, one, the question is just like, who has a gun that blasts wood varnish? Like, that's not how you apply yeah. wood varnish. Like. <laughs> Even if, the, you know, even if that existed, you wouldn't spray it on your friend. That stuff's really toxic. It's super yeah. caustic. Like, it's, just, <laughs> like it, it's very like the, the Zoolander scene of like them all just having like a gasoline fight <laughs> with each other. Oh, just that's spraying so each good. Other with, with gasoline. Yeah. It's, it's very weird. You know, and it's like, it's kind of cute. Like the, the, the gesture in it is cute. But then the detail is just like, oh, this is, that's very strange. Why did you choose that, you know? <laughs> There's, a, like, yeah. a weird number of these with the original five X-Men, I feel, where they just use yeah. their powers on each other in basically hazing ways. Yeah, um, sure. I have one anecdote, but it's from down the line. So it, I probably I, it, shouldn't... It, it, as, as long as it's not, like, a big story. Thing, no, it's, like, one fine. joke oh, no. in an issue oh, totally. 100. Uh, <laughs> basically, like, Cyclops comes totally back fine. from something horrible, and he's, like, looking in his mirror, and... uh moping essentially like oh my mm -hmm. ruby red glasses and mm -hmm. Iceman pranks him so he slips in the bathtub and falls and shoots the lasers all over the bathroom and like wrecks things and it's okay. totally a joke like it's played completely for a joke just Iceman just does this stuff sometimes e even though he could have just killed everybody yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah right right yeah that that stuff I mean it's kind of just the like Wolverine and Colossus goofing around and then like Colossus just throws Wolverine through a wall yeah. <laughs> right. or actually you know who does this is the thing in Johnny Storm like Johnny yeah, Storm absolutely. and the thing are having a prank war and then the thing just like <laughs> you know destroys the family car <laughs> yeah right like on the regular that was like literally 70% of Stan and Jack uh, Kirby's <laughs> like Fantastic Four comics had the thing just like causing hundreds of thousands of dollars in property damage because of prank wars <laughs> Have you I read this? It. Is this is a total aside? Have you read that Marvel fanfare issue written by Barry Windsor Smith, The Prank War? No, Johnny Storm. This is like the highest recommendation I have for any single issue of a comic. Uh, it's from 1984, and it is just like a, everyone in the club already knows this, so anyone listening probably knows about this. But if you have not heard, read this issue, <laughs> it takes like three minutes to read the whole thing. It's mostly silent. It's one of the funniest issues, like single issues. It's so it's like a perfect comic it's incredible nice. so marvel fanfare has it. It, it on the cover it's got the thing like giving a thumbs up to the camera like oh a big, i've seen that cover. thumbs up yeah, yeah. De definitely go check it out marvel fanfare is a weird a weird series. <laughs> um okay but, so oh, yeah jubilee you had something you oh yes yeah that's that's what i wanted to bring up i love so professor x has his he can walk again because yeah. when he's healed by the the thing he gets like a few hours to be able to walk which is like it's so weird that the the amount of times he's like wheelchair no wheelchair wheelchair no wheelchair <laughs> like mm -hmm. back and forth between this um to like it's just to a, to a purpose that I can't see you know I I don't know here I kind of get it because it mm -hmm. gives like him and Jubilee something to like bond over but like overall I'm not really sure what the obsession about like putting him in and out of a wheelchair is you know it's when like a status like, quo change for the sake of a change like you can't 
necessarily kill him at this point in time. Yeah. So yeah. So it's it's just like if if there was some like if they were saying something about like disability or you know or if it was like a strong character thing. I don't know. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a little bit of an aside. Um, they they have this really sweet scene together where it's like kind of the first time they've really interacted one on one and uh, getting to know each other and like Jubilee is a little turned off by Professor X overall because he's like such a stern taskmaster and he's like well I'm going to enjoy the you know time I have to walk and she's like walk you have to blade like even if you haven't bladed you haven't lived and I was like huge grit on my face seeing this and the the best part like and this is what I mean like Lobdell I feel like through this whole event like I have not been like oh like really strong smart character choices Mm-hmm. This is such a fun, revealing scene of Professor X, of just him being scared witless by being on rollerblades. <laughs> him just being like, you know, like, well, I, I don't know about this. And she's like, like you've been in the danger room. <laughs> he tells her where his will is in case he dies. <laughs> right, yeah. She, she's just like, oh, you'll be fine. And he's like, well, I, yeah, I'll be fine. I'm not going to die, but just in case my will is in the upper right drawer. <laughs> like, the, great details. Like, that. that's such a fun little uh, character moment. Um, and really shows, that, you know, it's... Like such a bummer with the the occupation of preoccupation of like everything needs to just be like action 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 all the yeah. time. When this kind of stuff just is like I don't know I, I maybe it's just a you know uh, the target audience at the time was not into this or I don't know I, I'm really curious to see like you know if people love this stuff in the in the moment if this is just kind of a modern idea that it's just like no I kind of just want to see the X Men hang out like I think it's the X Men hanging time. out is the joy of the series like there's running jokes about the X Men playing baseball which they never but it just doesn't, rarely do doesn't happen enough you know yeah. that's the like because it's just weird people love that stuff but it just like you know and it's I think part rare. of it's like now like people's runs on comics tend to be shorter like storylines are more finite yeah. you know like this was yeah, twelve so. issues but it was twelve issues that was spread across four ongoing series with their own subplots that were all kind of tied into this so like there's like a lot of real estate here that maybe you wouldn't get like avengers story arcs now are like six issues and that's one book you know yeah yeah and i love this stuff i love this issue as a kid too because of waiting yeah it was like the cool teen showing the stuffy old man like what's fun and -hmm. then she still pranks him despite it being a really tender moment Mm -hmm. yeah i think for jubilee yeah the moment of her like helping him as he starts to stumble is like mm-hmm. her her you know kind of working up the nerve to go to go uh, help him out right yeah like, feeling feeling awkward and uncomfortable and like pitying for him but like not knowing how to react you mm-hmm. know like not wanting to wound his pride um yeah all good like yeah really I was I was very impressed and I think this issue. was kind of the beginning of Jubilee growing up a little bit because she was very much like the not just a teen sidekick but the sassy teen sidekick. She, like, took the Kitty Pride yeah. slot here of the, like, you know, the, the kid that everyone needs to take care of a little bit, you know? Yeah, there's a great issue in the Mojo, the Jim Lee Mojo stuff, right before he leaves the series, where uh, someone, you know, she's talking trash to someone, and I think Cyclops says jubilation, and she's like, why does everyone always say my name like it means shut up? <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's a good joke. I mean, I mean she, that's she the is- stuff. I, I'm excited to see more of her. We haven't like we haven't spent that much time with her. Yeah, but there is like there's a fun Wolverine issue where they're going back to like Weapon X. Yeah, and it's you know, it's like a decommissioned military base, and she immediately just slaps on her rollerblades and starts like <laughs> she's like oh a parking lot out front like just starts rollerblading around this you know old like booby trapped uh, you know sci-fi military <laughs> base like yeah she's she's fun. I mean it's the same mm-hmm. reason like I like Kitty Pryde. The same reason I like Dazzler. Right, they're just like they're kind of having a good time. Like they're there and they. Like another perspective there, you know? yeah 
it, it's 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 fun and refreshing to have heroes who are like enjoying themselves <laughs> you mm-hmm. know and they're not like just moping all the time especially in x-men yeah a friend so. of mine uh he has this thing he calls personality spamming which i think he invented he started saying because of Twitter at first, but it's sort of like when characters pop up and they're like, I'm Wolverine, I'm the best there is at what I do, blah, 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 and then leave. I mm-hmm. think for characters like Kitty Pride and Jubilee Dazzler, when they do that, it's like shifting the story to be a little bit more human away from like just the cosmic stakes and endless mm-hmm. Phoenix drama and all that kind of thing. Totally. Because totally. she's I mean, it's like a lesson that people should, you know, generally learn from Peter Parker and why Peter Parker yeah. is so engaging, right? Because he's just kind of that guy, right? Like, mm-hmm. he might be wrapped up in cosmic stakes, but it, generally, he kind of just feels like another guy, right? Like, he's just yeah. kind of a normal... After he fights Thanos, schmuck. like, he still has to make rent, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, I think I think you and I, like more or less on the same page with I think this. so like uh, I think I is... like it a little more than you do but it's yeah, almost like yeah, a 60 40 40 60 thing yeah yeah like it's it's there's this is definitely like one of the more like I have a lot of negatives here but like I, I still kind of liked it despite like a lot of stuff that irked me right like mm-hmm. there's there's enough here that yeah like I said like I'm kind of interested in reading this again in the future <laughs> you yeah. know like it, it, it's kind of that thing where like I feel like the people who love this are the X-Men scholars who are just like, well, I know where all this leads into, right? So you can kind of dismiss the like, oh, well, the Dark Riders, okay, they're just a bunch of schmucks that don't matter. <laughs> those like, those, whoever it was that we wanted in Bishop so much and more Cable from them. fighting. Right, yeah, they're, they had such cool designs knows? and they were nothing. <laughs> who knows what is going on with them? Um, yeah, and you can kind of read that and just be like, all right, yeah, I mean, you just get through that stuff. Like, the meat's here. This is the good stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, you know, be, being able to kind of already know what, <laughs> what is that uh i think helpful which is which is not like it's not indicative of necessarily a great <laughs> piece of art but like yeah um you know it, it i do think there is a uh you know something something worthwhile uh under all the fat here yeah i think one of the best things comics can do is show you a bunch of cool drawings that you want to see again like yeah. fundamentally yeah. like there's so many different cool bits here and even you know i've read this ages ago for the first time and again, this week to get ready for the podcast. And there were mm-hmm. still moments that kind of, they didn't hit me like I was nine years old, but I was like, oh, like this is the good part. You know, like when the power chord hits in the, the rock song or something like that, like Angel Archangel versus Apocalypse, I'm into it. You know, feed yeah. me more. Yeah, 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 totally. I, it's it, it's interesting to see like how much more efficient the storytelling can get to as, uh, mm-hmm. as time goes on. I mean, not, not that like we've seen it otherwise. X-Men... Not an X Men though. Yeah, <laughs> Actually, no. Now, now I think of it, X Men like, is when a when I, when I think about efficient storytelling from what we've read, it's like it's Jim Starlin, it's mm. Frank Miller, um, it's a little bit of like Grunewald and DiMatteis. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm sure there's some others that I'm I'm forgetting, you know. But like like I just reread Hawksbox last week, and that's yeah. twelve issues, and like the amount of stuff that is packed into those twelve <laughs> issues is absolutely wild and it never feels like a dense slog like it is right. so light on its feet and is so masterful like delivering you know like an entirely new world um mm-hmm. to you and you know that's yeah that's kind of kind of crazy to comparing this and that you it's know the different the, eras like re- extremely different eras it's kind of fun yeah 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 i mean like not not everything can be a you know <laughs> a totally modern comic with <laughs> you know different sensibilities um but it, it is interesting watching i mean it's specifically x-men right like x-men almost has its own mini culture within big two comics oh, for sure that that like 
it has its own sensibilities outside of the rest of Marvel comics, even right. Like I think it's, so. It's such its own. The soap I mean, opera yeah. is such like a deep part of the like other series have tried. Like Spider Man had like a soap opera element for a while, but nothing went as deep and as like nothing for the duration of the X Men. Like Claremont was more or less the solo writer for ten or fifteen years. And that's Wild, yeah. unthinkable in 2021, you know? Oh, yeah, we, we, we just wrapped, I mean, I think the episode that came out this week while we're recording um, just talked about the wrap-up of Claremont, and it was just like, we couldn't think of anybody who even came close. It was like my, uh, Brian Michael Bendis and, uh, um, oh my god, uh, Mark Bagley on Ultimate Spider-Man. Hmm. That was it. That was like the, you know, like yeah. the run we could think of that stacked <laughs> up against this. Like, this does not happen. I mean, uh, Tom, I guess Tom King did uh, a really long run on Batman, right? Like 80-something issues. That, I mean, that's a lot, but it's also still, like, it's like six years, right? Like, it's yeah, not, it's not that's 16 just years. Like five right? copies <laughs> of this book. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's wild. Um, all right, any any closing thoughts on, uh, on Extinction? Extin- uh, Executioner's song? Excuse me. So they never actually explain what the Executioner's song is or who the Executioner is? Oh, that's a... Re- <laughs> <laughs> A really good point. I didn't even like. Cons- like yeah, Strife says it in the first issue. Yeah, there's like a caption where it's like, "This is the overture of the Executioner's song." I think they had a cool title, and then they also had a separate story. They were like, "How can we make these fit together?" And that's sort of how I feel about the story and the art in the series as well. Like no it's really uneven, but right? it's so no. I mean, I guess Xavier. But I mean, he, he attempts, I guess. Yeah, yeah, maybe, I guess, Strife attempts to exit. I mean... There's not even, like, sat- a parental neglect aspect to Executioner's song. It's just, it's got an X in it. Let's roll. You know, I, I know we already kind of went over this, but I, I was just thinking, like, you know, it, it, it all but makes super explicit that, like, Jean Grey and Scott Summers absolutely did something awful to yeah. Strife here, right? Like, it's clear that, like, you know, whatever it is, he's incredibly mad about something they did. And to not lay that out here, you know, just really, like, it, it really just sucks all the air out of the end of this for me. Mm. You know, like, the more I think about this, the more, like, I'm more frustrated instead of, like, intrigued by... Like, I, I am kind of intrigued by where this goes. But, like, to have all that build up and not have the, like, cathartic end moment to, like, really establish the stakes at the ending is, like, such a weird misfire to me. And they right? come like so close. Like, it's... Misfire is a really good word for it because, like, there was ignition, but it was not the kind <laughs> of ignition that anybody wanted. I mean, I think, I think Inferno did this like right before the, you know, like the penultimate issue was like, okay, here's everything, Mister Sinister. Who here's Mister Sinister? Here's what he's been up to. Here's yeah. like laying out like all the mystery stuff. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think it's pretty classic, like kind of screenwriting stuff of just like all the mystery build up and then you do all the reveal of like here's all your answers and then you have your final conflict mm-hmm. now with the the wide open eyes of like all the stakes established and this goes into that you know th- that end conflict with the stakes still being like ah oh, we don't and you know cyclops <laughs> is like i don't know what we did but i'll live with it for the rest of my life and it's like, <laughs> all right well bummer like i, I wish i knew you know yeah. like I, I think it's it's just such a missed opportunity for like like i think pretty good setup for that and not to have that like you know i i think it just could have done a lot with like i like i am intrigued what they did mm-hmm. and that would have been the time to tell me <laughs> right like so that i felt something for strife in his final moments because uh, we didn't mention there's a gr- there's a good moment here where they kind of reach out to him and he has a like a hesitance of mm-hmm. like all those drawings can, of his can face I, can i trust you like you know I want to, but 
Like, will you betray me again? Right, like in a moment of vulnerability. I'll say that's like a big Jim Starlin energy to that panel, that page rather. Hmm. It, like it has oh, such like a like tortured Captain Marvel like screaming at the heavens feeling. Mm, okay, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah, that that's like a good moment, but like, it, like ultimately, it doesn't have the the follow through of like like we need to know what's happening, right? You can't just kind of. Yeah keep gesturing towards something and then like hope for me to be infinitely invested yeah mm. all right sorry I, like i just kind of like that all kind of clicked in my mind my like issue with that right at the end here so, no it's great uh, yeah i love this all right well that yeah that was that was great thank you so much david um that was that was a lot of fun to yeah. talk about um i'm uh I'm, I'm glad i glad i reached out to you uh so anyone who's interested anyone who uh like David here, definitely go check out Manga Splaining because that uh, it's a ton of fun, and uh, I think it's a really fun introduction into manga. I've been introduced into a bunch of like fun manga that I have, you know, like I, I have a passing knowledge of manga, but like definitely a ton of stuff that I'd never heard of before. Um, uh, well, it, it it finally motivated me to uh, to read my copy of Akira. Nice. I've had like sitting, you know, I had that like <laughs> that big red box set that like they released a few years ago. Yeah, that it's I got on like an Amazon bulky. sale. <laughs> oh, it's gorgeous! But like, yeah, I've, I've had that sitting on a shelf forever. So finally, got me to crack that out. Delicious in Dungeon. It's a ton nice. of a ton of fun. Uh, Mermaid Saga. I was not as hot as everybody else. Helter Skelter was great. Like all, all kinds of like really cool stuff. Um, yeah, we like, try to mix it up. All, like, yeah, Chris you, has a very like emotionally resonant approach to finding manga. Deb's mm-hmm. kind of an omnivore, and I'm mostly just trying to trip Chip up. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> and, God, I mean, Chip's Chip's reactions are, like, the weirdest part to me. That man is, for someone whose art that I I love, right, like, I usually connect with really well, yeah. like, his actual taste in media and art bewilders me, and I'm kind of mostly just, like, I mean, I, I'm not actually frustrated by the man, yeah. but it is very frustrating. <laughs> like, you know, he, he can like what he likes, it's fine, but, like, I, listening to him, you know, talk about stuff, I'm just like, what is the metric that you're using here? I, I yeah, <laughs> but th- he's also very eloquent. Like he he makes great That's points. That's the fun part, like he, right? Like he he's very well spoken about, like talking about these comics. But you know, like he, the 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 stuff that he uh, connects to and the stuff that he doesn't is very interesting. And Deb's Deb's super charming, and yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a great it's a great show. So definitely um, definitely go check out manga explaining, and uh, oh. Can I, now that I have you, can I, uh, can yeah. I pitch a manga that uh, <laughs> I just, just not not to say that you should read it, but to see yeah. if it's like even on your radar at Go all. Go for it. Um, Kaguya-sama is that on anyone's radar? Oh, life is love is uh, war. Love is war. Yeah, yeah, I like that one because it's all it's like Death Note but for romance with people trying to one up each other and that kind of thing. Totally, totally. Actually, you know what? That manga is a little like that anime is incredible. Mm-hmm. And then I went back to read the manga, and the manga just has, like, 20% more, like, kind of pervy stuff in it. It's, it's mm. weird. Like, the anime actually clips it all out, <laughs> more or less. <laughs> Maybe for runtime um, or something. Yeah, they, they kind of, you know, it's, yeah. Um, ooh, what about Spy Family? Is that... Uh, yeah, that one's on excellent, too. Uh, that's, that, that I actually, think that's one of those ones. That's the it's one not, I should, like, I Demon Slayer big yet, or Chainsaw Man big, but it's got really good buzz. Like, everyone I know who knows about Spy Family likes Spy Family. Yeah, yeah, it, same. That that's a that is like a real uh, favorite in our club right now. Our little manga or manga mm. corner in our club. That and like Sakamoto days are the ones that like every week when it comes out, we're talking about it. Right? Yeah, those are <laughs> those are a lot of fun. All right, sorry, not to not to. No, it's <laughs> all good. I mean, comics are comics. Thing. I love talking about all of them. <laughs> yeah, 
Agreed. Um, yeah, so to go check that out, uh, do you, you're you on Twitter at Hermanos, right? Yep. Which, Spanish for brothers. Get, <laughs> right. I, yeah, I know. Good good joke. How the hell did you get that Twitter uh, handle? Like, I think you must I've have been on that. Twitter since like 2009 or something. I was going to say that. It was like early just days. early enough. Yeah, that's one of those. That's like a that's a handle you could probably sell for a lot of money, right? I like, hope so. I don't have any the, retirement plans. Two thousand seven. <laughs> holy crap! <laughs> have you ever heard those stories, like of uh, you know, like new social media people snatch up all the like really easy, obvious, like at Dave stuff, at like Nike that. or things like that too. Yeah, not even like corporate stuff. Like literally really? just like at Jennifer whatever that is and like <laughs> and then they'll sell them off for hundreds of dollars right like just having the first only first name uh handle is you know like very valuable apparently. yeah so anyway i don't know where this uh <laughs> this ending has gone um if you uh, if you like the show uh please give us a review on apple podcasts you can back us over on patreon.com for as little as a dollar a month you can access to our master spreadsheet you can Come on, the Slack channel for five bucks a month, uh, bonus episodes, etc. There's tons of cool stuff over there. Uh, music is by Disaster Piece, as always. Um, I think that's about it. Uh, again, thank you so much, David. This was this was a blast. Yeah, thanks for having me, and have a great day. Thank you. Uh, see you next year. Uh-huh.